sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, October 14th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. We'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, you know in these baseball playoffs, we were like, wait a second, it's five days in a row. The LCS is going to be seven days in a row. Well... The AL and NL champ may both get a little bit of rest before the World Series starts if it continues going down this path because we have the potential for not one but two sweeps still live. And we start today in the American League where the Tampa Bay Rays are now on the precipice of going to the World Series. They get the job done again last night, 5-2 over the Astros. And, And here's the thing, like, I can't believe I'm going to like lead the ALCS with this, but you got Altuve making errors aplenty on one side, Kev, and on the other side, Tampa Bay is catching absolutely everything. Adamas at short, this kid Wendell at third base, who also, by the way, had two ribbies, right? Manny uh, Hunter Renfro with a double pinch hit for another couple of ribbies. The Rays get the job done, but Kev, it, it sounds cliche, but... Pitching and defense are running it for Tampa Bay. Yeah, the the defense thing is always a wild thing in baseball. When you when it's so obvious, right? Like I'm sure throughout right. the course of the season, there's plenty of people who will talk about you know a team's defense and the, the quality of it. But the last time I remember hearing about a team's defense in a postseason run, the Royals that beat the Mets in the World right. Series. Right, that was the last time I feel like we really heard about. Oh, that's a real baseball team. They just keep making good baseball plays, and that's what you hear a lot with the Tampa Bay Rays. And it is deserved. You know, they they not only kind of to your point don't make those mistakes, they make the extra play that can eliminate mm. mistakes from their pitchers. So this is a baseball team that is up three zero. And they deserve to be up 3-0. They, they timely hitting, putting these pitchers in bad spots. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing that really Tampa is relying on, and we knew this going into the season, we knew this last year when they started doing the opener. Kev, it's their bullpen. Another four innings of shutout baseball from the bullpen. This time, Fairbanks, Curtis, Thompson, Loop, and Castillo all combined for four shutout innings. And honestly, we talked about this going into the season, how deep they were with power arms. We've talked 
talked about this going into the playoffs, which is now five days in a row or potentially seven days in a row, that the Rays were structurally set up to be strong in this kind of context. Remember our good friend George Kurtz called it the COVID corral week back, weeks yeah. back? Well, the Tampa Bay Rays are structurally set up to benefit. And what do you know? They're one win away from the World Series. Talk to me about this bullpen, Kev. Well, listen, their bullpen's obviously getting the job done, and it's been a great bullpen. But I actually wanted to bring up something that I thought you would find pretty interesting. The other night Ooh, on in-game live. While I got to tell game... you something else. Let me ask you real quick, Kev. Sure. You know who else is going to find this interesting? Our radio audience around the country, who we now welcome right here on the early line. We can't have the radio listeners, Kev, not knowing about your transformational point. So let them know, Kev. So last night, we're watching this game, and we're trying to find the value, right? It's a 1-0 game. The Astros, though, getting up to around, you know, minus 280 favorites, sizable favorites. You can get the Rays at about plus 220, only down a run. And one of the things that stood out to me was Urquidy, who was having a mm. great game, low pitch count. Pitched to Austin Meadows for the third time. And I said, oh, Urquidy's not going to leave this game. Typically, right. in the postseason, you're not going to want to throw him up against this lineup for a third time. Third time through the but lineup, right. because of the nature of this postseason structure, Dusty mm. Baker was going to have to try and get everything he could. Rosarena gets yep. a single. We get the error from Jose Altuve. And now you get into this Astros bullpen. That has had right. their struggles. And that was something that was so interesting to follow because you were able to take the context of the postseason. It's only game three. And get to try and say, oh, Dusty Baker doesn't have a choice but to send Urquidy back hmm. out there. And we were right. And it cost them to. Now, listen, Altuve gets the grounder, sure, but he didn't. And I thought that was really interesting because I do believe Urquidy gets pulled as opposed to going through this raised lineup a third time if we were dealing with normal circumstances a day right. off, right? I mean, we would have been doing this where we probably would have had a day off in Houston. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I thought was really, really interesting. No, that is something that is interesting, and I like the way you frame it, how Dusty had no choice. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break, but Kev, Dusty has no choice but to run out Zach Grinky today. <laughs> and my question for you, my question for you is, do you think Zach Grinky cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, his team is on the brink, and it's been said before, but, you know, remember, he didn't want to give him a start last time around because he couldn't trust his mental makeup. It is well, you know, kind of known. He looks uninterested. He's flashing what pitches he's doing, and now the season is on the line. We'll talk about that. And the season on the line in the NLCS as well when we come back. Off and running here. Really line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Oh. <sighs> 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. Dane Martinez and my main man, Kevin Walsh. And now, like, we have to... We got to spin it forward, right? Because listen, the Houston Astros are on the brink, down 3-0, and in today's game, they're going to be running out Zach Grinky for the Houston Astros. Tyler Glasnow on the other side, and I don't know if you're a Houston Astros fan, Kev, how much confidence can you possibly have with Grinky? Like, I want Verlander on the hill here, right? I want a young <laughs> kid with something to prove. I want someone who's chewing glass right now, and it doesn't look like Grinky. He doesn't inspire, um, I don't know, he doesn't inspire confidence in me. It doesn't feel like he's the guy who wants to, you know, is heavily invested in this literally earlier in the playoffs, Kev. You know, Dusty Baker had to move around his rotation because he was unsure of like kind of the, I don't know, I don't want to say mental makeup or like the determination or the like all-in-ness of Zach Greinke. And now they turn to him with the season on the line. So I don't know how much of yesterday's game you were able to catch, but as things were unraveling for the Astros... Dusty Baker put forward the most honest moments I've ever seen from a manager. His utter disgust at the performance of his team, right? I mean, mm. Paredes came in and was hitting dudes, and he's just like, what am I supposed to do with this guy? Like, right, right, you know, right. little bloop singles are getting down, and he's like, oh, this is garbage. Like, he was over it, and... I bring that up to say, it just might be where the Astros are. They right. just maybe are kind of over it. Because to be fair, like the way they're losing to the Rays, right? Little demoralizing. Mm -hmm. It's not oh, yeah. fun to have a lead off of a first inning home run, think you've got the juice, and then you can't add on to it at all and lose the baseball game which has happened right. to them twice in this i mean twice altuve is homered in the first and then they've just been stuck on one for what feels like an eternity and the rays yeah. take the lead so it's a spot where i think tampa's really beaten down this astros team as a whole and i don't think the Rah, rah, I got the ball, we got to win. Zach Ranky is what they're right. about to get. <laughs> yep, I, I'm with you. And, you know, when you talk about the the uh, the emotional side of it, the deflation, trust me, I played baseball for a long time. And when guys on the other side are also making outstanding defensive plays to end rallies and end innings, like the play Adamus yeah. made, right? You know, like that's deflating also when you're like, ah, we had a good at-bat. Oh, that could get through, right? And you can point to mm -hmm. some of those plays that guys like Wendell and Adamus are making. Remember also, what was it, the uh, Manny Margot, like falling over the wall into yeah. foul territory yesterday. I mean, that is also demoralizing on the other side. But I digress because the Tampa Bay Rays are not the only team who are, you know, planting their flag in the LCS as we go to the NL. 
the Atlanta Braves, who you and I both, I mean, I give you credit. I, I was on the Cincinnati Reds, right? But then has been mm-hmm. warming to these Atlanta Braves, and we are seeing that they do it again. They win 8-7 over the Dodgers, but if you're just looking at the final score, you didn't realize then that the Braves were up big in this game. I think they were up 6 nothing at one point. The kid, Mr. Anderson, took the red pill or the blue pill, and he has been in the matrix all season long as a kid. Freddie Freeman goes yard, right? Um, Ozzy Albies goes yard. And listen, we talked about this plus money. We talked about the bats that Atlanta does have. And now here they are, you know, up to O. But I do want to ask you because the big news of this game happened right. before the game started, but after our show here on the early line, right? Talk to me about what you think the Dodgers were going through, what betters were going through after the news that Clayton Kershaw oh was scratched from this start because of the back spasms. I cannot imagine. So that is one of the things about baseball batting for those that maybe – Aren't often baseball, but you can confirm that the starter about. must go. You can say the starter yeah. must go when you make the bet. No, yes, that's a and that's an important yes. thing in baseball. You don't see that elsewhere. Yes, you don't. You don't make an NFL bet and say quarterback must play, right? Right, right, right. Like NHL, but only thing. if this goalie is in the pipes. <laughs> like that's not a thing anywhere else, but in baseball, action only Kershaw pitches. Now, yes. I, you know sometimes you get action regardless, but that is. To, to lay minus 160 for Clayton, and then it'd be Gonsolin, who's been good on the year. Not Clayton Kershaw, right? Not Clayton Kershaw. And they got the Gonsolin. So that had to be demoralizing for any Dodger backer. Now, if you backed Gonsolin at the minus 130 price, well, that's just on you. That's a decision that you went for. And I don't mind the decision, by the way. He'd been good. He'd been good. But that is obviously not no type of bad beat or frustrations. I think from the Dodgers, right. you know, I'm sure they probably told themselves they had confidence in in, in Gonson. This is a team that, you know, they were getting shut out through seven. And right. they're all, this is what we talked about, their ex- offensive explosion. It came too little too late. The Braves had already popped off. I mean, the different, and this is the thing about the Braves, like, and this is the thing about baseball. In fact, right? I mean, if I were to, you know, dang, what were the five biggest stories of the baseball season? Somewhere in that five lands, Fernando Tatis hitting a grand slam on a 3-0 count in a game the Padres were running away. Right, right, right. Right? In baseball, there's no clock. You don't take knees. So in the top of the ninth, Ozzy Albies, it's a solo shot. A bet, uh, a shot that is ultimately meaningless. Maybe someone played live over ten and a half and wanted to hug Ozzy Albies and appreciate it. <laughs> Except it wasn't meaningless. It was the difference in the right. ball game. Because in the right. ninth inning, the Dodgers finally started to heat up, scored four runs, and in fact, they finished the game with a runner on third base. Had AJ Pollock mm-hmm. been able to get a base knock, Ozzy's yep. Albies home run is to the, the left difference side. between a Dodgers tie game. Right or Dodgers winning yeah. the baseball Extra game. innings, yeah. Like, so 
it, it's one of these things with baseball where you just have to keep playing and keep going. And the Braves have done that. I heard Gabe give the stat the other uh, last night where the Braves became, I think, the fourth team ever in baseball's history to start a postseason 7-0. Like, let's not lose sight of what this team is doing. You know, all year long, we kind of wondered about, can anybody really touch the Dodgers? The pods, you know, once they got banked up, that was tough. The more you look at Atlanta, the more the pitching has really come together. This is a team that lost their ace week one, yeah. week two of the yep. season. The more yes. the years come together, you realize they're on the level of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are not playing a team a tier below them. They're just not. That lineup, way too good. And these arms pitching incredibly for Atlanta. I completely agree with you. They've literally got all the characteristics, right? They got an MVP caliber dude as their leader in Freeman. They've got some of the young, like the best young talent in all of baseball between Acuna and Albies. They bring in the kid Ozuna a couple years ago to be a big bat in the order. But I think you're right. This is about the pitching, Kev. This is about the pitching. I love that you brought up Sorotka, right? Because listen, what were we just talking about with the fathers? Oh, it's rough that they don't have, you know, Clevenger, their ace. Oh, it's rough that they can't go at it with Lamette, right? Well, the Braves are doing this without Sorotka. And then, to a lesser extent, Kev, they brought in... These are young kids, right? Soroka, Freed, Ian Anderson. They brought in Cole Hamels to be that veteran arm. He's not there either. On a lower level, they made a move to try to bring in King Felix Hernandez to be like a veteran fifth guy innings eater, if nothing else, as a veteran presence. He opted out of the season, right? Markakis had opted out and then comes back in. Why? Maybe because he knew this Braves team had something special. We'll spin it forward to what goes on from here in the NLCS, and then Obviously, the uh, you know rare occurrence of Tuesday night football will break that down and turn our attention to the NFL when we come back right here on the early line. But check out the Sports Grid news update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in to the early line. We also welcome in our radio affiliates from around the country, Dane Martinez and the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. Hey, Kev, I got to ask you, because when I originally heard about the scratch for Kershaw, they were like, yeah, 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 but it's a small thing. He'll be fine for either game three or game four. Mm-hmm. Well, as I look at the pitching matchup for game three, at least listed, it's Kyle Wright on the Atlanta side and Julio Urias on the Dodgers side as of now, right? So what's your level of confidence giving the ball to Urias down 2-0? I got to tell you something. Sometimes teams, sometimes people who never really face adversity shrivel up when they face it. 
for the first time, right? You sort of need to like go through struggle in life to be able to be tough, to be able to respond when the chips are down. This Dodgers team has not experienced adversity all season long, right? They ran away and hid in the NL West. They only had to play the Western divisions. They were the favorites the whole time. The pods like, you know, were a good story to kind of make it close, but they have never felt threatened all season long. They do right now. How do you think this Dodgers team and Urias respond today? So I think the Dodgers, if they had a moment of adversity, it was early into I just I'll never it was early into the year. They lost the game yeah. to the Padres. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just not the same team. And they ripped off like 12 in a row. I was like, oh boy, I was a take ruled. This team is so good. They're so good that I can't count them out, okay? What we're learning, though, is Atlanta feels like they are just as good. I will say, of the seven Braves playoff games, six have been pitched by the Freed-Anderson combo. The one that we were waiting to see was pitched by Kyle Wright. Very, very good in that start. But Urias has... The Dodgers have the edge in terms of all things going into this game. That's why they are considerable favorites of above minus 150. Kershaw's available, from what we understand, to possibly go game four. If this thing gets level, it's anybody's ball game, right? Dodgers will have momentum. Atlanta now sees defeat for the first time. In the postseason, Urias has been good during these playoffs. I don't really have much of an interest, though, in laying a minus 170-ish number on L.A. Not after I saw the Rays last night go up 3-0. That's, again, the nature of the level playing field that we're playing on. I don't think sweeps are as difficult or as disrespectful to suggest. But the Dodgers that come back in the series, again, they've got to win four of the next, what, five games against a team that hasn't lost in seven tries. It's an uphill battle. But as much as we're giving Atlanta their credit, the Dodgers didn't walk backwards into 43 and 17. They are that good. And you will be getting this team at around 2-1 to one to win a series that they will be favored in every single game from now until series end. Do you... I, I don't know if I agree with that, Kev. I don't know if the Dodgers will still be favorites game by game. Like, if they're down... If they're down 3-1, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden we see a rehash of the Bueller-Fried uh, matchup for like a game five, let's say, in a 3-1 scenario, I don't know that the Dodgers are favorites if it comes back around. Obviously, we'll wait and see, right? I guess the way a game three or a way a game four goes down, but I don't know if I'm willing to just lock that in at some point. 
you know, the book will have to flip this over, right? But we'll see. And it all starts with Julio Urias today against, you know, Kyle Wright, as we said. We'll see how that one goes. We'll see if Kershaw is, in fact, able to kind of, you know, fix that back. Because, listen, the back spasms are things that just pop up. Right, so they could say he's good to go for Game Four, and then who knows what happens as he's you know. It's not the first uh, time he's been yes, moved this in the before. postseason. This postseason, yeah. like that's yeah. a thing. So to I mean, know. but it's also maybe something that can offer a little bit of confidence that because he was great in the first uh, in his first outing of the playoffs after being moved off of his uh, what was supposed to be star. Was that against Dustin Milwaukee? Was that against ball. Milwaukee? Yeah. At the beginning? I believe so. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, yes, because these are things that kind of come and go, right? So if he's back, he could be okay and not feeling the ill effects. All I'm saying is it could pop up at any time, you know? So we'll mm-hmm. see. Hopefully he is, you know, able to take that next start wherever it is that they move him to. Um, so we'll see how it goes down tonight. And, uh, you know, we may have our first entrance into the 2020 World Series in the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll find out as we move along. Kev, let's turn our attention to the National Football League. We had the rare Tuesday night football game. And 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 listen, the Tennessee Titans, after not practicing four weeks, right, being ravaged by COVID, they come out here and against the team that a lot of people are high on, that was also undefeated, they, they punched him in the mouth, Kev. 42 to 16, you know, and, and I got to tell you, I was very impressed with the Tennessee Titans. And here's the thing, you know, Kev, when we talk about the Titans, a lot of times we're like, oh, Henry kind of game, Tannehill kind of game. We'll see. To me, Kev, I don't know if, what you think, but it was clear they were trying to focus on Henry you know a little I bit. Think. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Look, Henry. Under his number, right? Only 57 yards. Tannehill, only 195 yards, but they still put up 42 points, albeit the defense helped them out, the special teams helped them out. But talk to me about this outburst of 42 points for Tennessee. Meanwhile, Tannehill, sub 200 yards passing. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry can't get to 60 on the ground. They don't have two of their top three wide receivers. It doesn't seem to matter. So, yeah, that's the thing. Two Malcolm Butler interceptions both returned deep into Bill's territory. Deep into territory, Plus the forced fumble on the kickoff return, starting another drive in the red zone. So that'll mess up your yardage totals for sure. Um, This is the thing with this Titans team, okay? I don't know how long we're going to do this song and dance. And sometimes I feel like I can never tell if you're trying to be with what you would do as a defensive coordinator or what these defensive coordinators are going to do. But either way, it's the wrong move. Derrick Henry, three yards a carry. The Titans score, 42 points. Yep. They... Ryan Tannehill. We not, and I will also say, wait, Kevin, he, his longer runs came later in the game for like three quarters of the game. Yes. They were kind of containing Derrick Henry. The stat line looks a lot worse, you know, uh, without the kind of like, you know, 12-yard bounces to the outside that was starting to happen when the game was already, you know, not in doubt anymore. Well, no, no, like, this is, how many games do we need for a take that, let's be fair, you chuckled that. When all I said was Ryan Tannehill was an above-average quarter, how many games do we need of Ryan Tannehill being clearly 
an above-average quarterback and winning consistently with this Titans team. I mean, they are 4-0. and Like, how many more games do we need of this? Like, is, is now the time? Now do we do, do people finally buy in to this Titans team? I mean, this was the this was what I said going into yesterday. And the only reason that it was for me not something that I was gonna slam the table over is the COVID situation left us with a little bit of uncertainty. Yeah. But yesterday we saw a team unbeaten at home. Off a bye, getting a field goal. That is, I don't care who's on the other side of the field. That was a disrespectful line. And one that in hindsight was just dead wrong. That's true. So let me ask you then, because a lot of people loved this Buffalo Bills team, right? The road favorites coming into this game. So let's talk about their side. I mean, listen, Josh Allen with a QBR of 69 in this game. He throws two interceptions, albeit, you know, tip passes, not necessarily his fault per se. But this is not the Buffalo Bills team we have seen over the first, you know, four games for them. What was the difference in Buffalo? I mean, we were talking about Josh Allen as an MVP candidate. I'm not going to say he's all of a sudden a fugazi now, but it was different, right? I mean, uh, Devin Singletary couldn't really get going, you know, only like 2.1 yards a carry of the, the weapons in the past game. Sure, Diggs was there, you know, Davis, Beasley, Knox, the, the, the guys were there. I mean, Smoke Brown was out, but still, what was the difference in Buffalo last night? So that so so this is the thing with, with with Buffalo, and that's why they're really like everyone's very excited about what Josh Allen has done. Rightfully so, genuinely belongs in top five MVP conversations, right? And in fact, I would almost say you can't have an MVP conversation without Josh Allen. If I would have told you before the year started, Dane, that JA yeah. would go twenty six to forty one, two hundred and sixty three yards, two touchdowns, two picks. I don't think you would say, ah, oh, they can't win that game. No, you'd be like, ah. I'd say it was a right, decent turnover. game. Decent, yeah, not great, turnover. not horrible. That's what I'm saying. Like, ah, turnovers, I, I could, I'd rather maybe one pick, but that's good enough. This is a this is good enough Bills team. And ultimately, this Bills team is dependent on him playing like an MVP to win football games. That is why, and I said, I feel bad because I know like Bills fans are like, like, oh, you don't believe in us. But that's not a sustainable model for this team, for J.A. to be a top five QB in this league and bail out their defense time and time again. But that's how they got to 4-0. And now that's why they lost this game. Yeah, right, we'll talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break and plenty of football stars. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content right here on the grid, giving you the edge. Kev, something you just said intrigued me. 
as it related to Josh Allen. You were in essence saying, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm paraphrasing, that like Josh Allen has to be that dude, you know, like for the success of the Bills, right? Um, and I don't think, I, I think that's fair. Uh, my question would be, I don't actually think that's uncommon, though. You know, Kev, with some of these high-end MVP candidates, right? Like, don't don't Seattle ask Russ to do the same thing? Doesn't Houston ask Deshaun to do the same thing? Doesn't Green Bay ask Aaron to do the same thing? So on that sense, I, you're right. They need their, you know, high-end quarterback to play like a star. But I don't know that that's like crazy there's a lot of places in the nfl oh. where i feel like i could say the same thing what's the difference oh i'm not saying it's crazy at all the oh, okay. difference is okay. i trust rogers to do it i trust Dude, Russ sure. to do it i trust mahomes to <laughs> that, do it i don't trust josh allen to do it that's the difference okay that's so and like, oddly, we totally agree it, which is, yeah. this is how things usually go with you and i but like <laughs> i don't trust him to yeah. be a top five quarterback in this cool. league and Bills fans, I know, like, they believe in him. And again, he's been great. But what he did last night, that's closer to the Josh Allen that we know. And that's why when, you know, we come in here on these Mondays and we talk about the AFC, we've had a lot of conversations about the AFC specifically and tearing these teams off. Yeah, we're about and, to have some more, too. Uh, for sure. But, like, typically, right? I've sold Buffalo and Indy because mm -hmm. I don't believe in Phil and I don't believe in Josh Allen to the degree that others do. And listen, this can go the other way, by the way, okay? There's other spots that I'm wrong 100%. But I just think we saw from those two teams this past week where those things can go wrong. Things can get turned, okay? But... Buffalo's defense is the is one of the bigger question marks right now in the AFC. All right, no, I, thanks for the clarification. I, you're right, we do see it the same way because I remember. Think about what we said on this air already in the last couple of weeks, right? When we talked about Russell Wilson, like, no, you can trust that he does that, right? And that's part of why he's Russell Wilson. I also remember this analogy I've also made. I compared the Bills, ironically, with our good friend Gabe Morenci, to the Toronto Raptors. How I, I always said, at some point in the playoffs, they're gonna need that closer to be that closer, right? They're gonna need that elite guy to play like that elite guy and i remember telling you at some point josh allen is still liable to make the mistake and will it happen when they're playing the bills i mean when they're playing the jets on a random week six game no but in the playoffs and in the upper echelon that could be what prevents them from getting all the way to the promised land the mistake from josh allen right can he keep up that level of play like we trust russ to be able to do so like we trust mahomes to be able to do so what's up kev and I wanted to say, look at the Bills' next couple of games here, okay? Yep. So yep. they play the Chiefs, the Jets, the Pats, and the Seahawks. The Jets game's on the road. You better beat the Jets. I don't care if the, if the game is on Mars. They play the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Seahawks. All at home. All at home. You want me to buy? You win two of those football games. You want me to buy in? I need two of those to be wins. And you might say that's an unfair ask. Not if you want me to buy you as a title contender, okay? You're going up against the two best quarterbacks in football, right? And the other team that is going to be right behind you in the division, right? We, You said yeah. this the other day. You're like, K 
Kev, I hate to say it, yeah. Pats are the value in the AFC East. And if next week, right, they handle business against the Denver Broncos, and this Bills team loses to Pat Mahomes, which they will be favored to do, all of a sudden, same in the yep. loss column. Yep, absolutely. One last point I want to make from a fantasy aspect on this Buffalo Bills team. Keep Maybe not even in redraft leagues, but in dynasties. Just keep an eye on the kid Gabe Davis. Do you remember, Kev, even in the draft side, even when we were doing previews, I told you I liked this kid, Gabe Davis. I believe he's a fourth-round pick out of UCF, and I like the potential he has in this Bills offense. Okay, Now, I know John Brown yeah. was out, right? but Gabe Davis had nine targets. Right. And I think that's interesting. He's been getting more and more throughout the season. And the other thing is, I always look at the makeup of the wide receiver room, Kev. Stefan Diggs is a certain kind of wide receiver. Cole Beasley is a certain kind of wide receiver. John Brown is a certain kind of wide receiver. And Gabe Davis is a different kind of wide receiver at about six foot three outside, you know, those tough at the point of the catch. And you know what's interesting to me? What makes him even more valuable? That kind of wide receiver is quarterback josh allen will utilize that skill set of gabe davis not only in the short term but for years in the dynasty format so keep an eye on gabe davis i like him i think his star will ascend but kev you said how you know and i see the commercial on this network also where i am lamenting the fact that the new england patriots are in fact the value in the afc east now last week we took a step back and we looked at some of the nfc divisional values and how they may have been moving or shaking after four or five games and so i would like to do that in the afc right now and listen the the west is the west we know the chiefs are the chiefs right and and they're going to be huge favorites right now. They're at minus 800. But I think the AFC North is very, very interesting. At the beginning of this, going into the season, everybody thought the Baltimore Ravens were runaway favorites. I know you and I both were interested in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, right? You're a little bit less high on Pittsburgh and that defense. We've both been kind of coming around on the Browns. Technically, Kev, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in first place in this division. Technically, Kev, the only reason the Ravens are in second place is because they have a head-to-head -head win against the team they're tied with in the Cleveland Browns, both of them 4-1. and one. Talk to me about value in this division. I'm looking at Pittsburgh at plus 220, technically in first place, as you mentioned in the AFC East, with two games in hand still against the Ravens. What do you think about this division, Kev? Are you off it's Baltimore? Just, it's just going to be something that you and I see differently for at least another yes, week. If I were to play in this division, I either take the discount on the Ravens or I go 5-1 to one on the Browns. Now, on Cleveland. if you want to make that 5-1 to one bet on Cleveland, okay, for those of you at home, you bet them on the money line this week or at least get them the 3.5 as well. Right. Because if they lose that game it's going to shift the odds and, and they're favored to lose that game as they should be they're in pittsburgh but you just try and get a scope dane for schedules moving forward right and here's the thing with cleveland i'll see if you think i'm off base in any of my assertions here after pittsburgh at cincy home versus the raiders home versus the texans 
home versus the Eagles at Jacksonville. I would say four out of five. A f- four out of five. I, but I would say a five-game window. They're favored on all of them, right? Now it's hard okay. to win every game you're favored in, right? But that I think is valuable to know. And you can't go too much deeper than that for Pittsburgh. They now have a date. By the way, here's the other thing. Pittsburgh's buy is gone. Okay? Sure is. That's a sure lot is. of games in a row. Sure so is. So now after Cleveland, at Tennessee, at Baltimore, at Dallas, then it's the Bengals and at Jacksonville. That's their next five football games. But the thing is, there's no break in sight. Yep. And that's another reason for me why, especially in these division odds, forget the grand scheme of it all, how high I power rate them. I would I would not be betting Pittsburgh at the number. No, that's fair. And I'm not necessarily betting Pittsburgh. I do believe in Pittsburgh. I was just wondering where you found the value. Mm-hmm. You know what I'd love, Kev? I don't know if this exists anywhere. You know how there's like live in-game totals and things move? And even our friends and partners at FanDuel now do like live in-game prop bets. I would love live in-season changes to win totals. Right? I wonder what the change in the Cleveland Browns win total would be, right, from where it started, which I believe was around seven and a half or eight, maybe even as high mm-hmm. as eight and a half, to what it is now, right? I, I wonder how these things would move and shake. We can do this in the kind of division odds. I wonder if we were able to respond to it in win totals, right? Like, what team that's a doing really well would we still fade the win total right like are the bears at four and one fugazi do we think minnesota can get back on the good foot and go like over their win total or something like that you know i thought that would be interesting and i wonder where they would move the cleveland browns i do want to touch another division in the afc though kev which is interesting to me and it's the south what do you do with the south the south has the tennessee titans who were very impressive Okay, mm-hmm. they like the thing you just said, though, with uh, the the Steelers, you know, the Titans are going to have to now run the gauntlet. Right. So that's yeah. interesting for them. For sure. Think about Indy, who has a strong defense. I think we believe a little bit more in their defense, but we also believe a little bit more that the end is near for Philip Rivers. They're banged up. You know, Houston has fired their coach. I don't know if you feel like there's a little win one for the Gipper kind of regression for Romeo mm. Cornell at seven. 17 to 1. And then obviously Jacksonville, we just have to finish out the graphic. Where's the value for you in the South, Kev? <laughs> well, that's a disrespectful way to put it. That is not wrong in the slightest bit. But <laughs> yes. So here's the, the Texans. Is it Tennessee or Indy for you? If the or are you considering are this, a 17 to 1? They got to do it this week at Tennessee. They're going to do this. Right. Got to do it this week. That's my take on that. Here's. One, it's just such a weird scheduling quirk, but it's re- I love it. The Titans and the Colts play twice in a three-week window with the Titans' middle game, okay, being at Baltimore. And you might be like, oh, sweet, what a win for the Colts. They host the Packers in that in-between right. game. <laughs> so that's a three-game window that is real tough for these teams. Now, again, I like that we're kind of talking in fives here, if we will. I don't know if you do, but I like it. I think it works well. Okay? The Colts this week, right, play the Bengals. Then it's at Detroit, 
And then they actually host Baltimore before the Titans-Packers-Titans stretch. The Titans right now play the Texans. Very, very valuable. Play the Texans. Very valuable game. Then it's at Cincy. Again, we know they'll be favored there. Is Cincy going to lose every single football game? I don't know. Maybe they take... I mean, they've been mentioned, I think, on like four of the five schedules we've brought up. Like, do they have a win somewhere in them? Maybe. Right, right, right. And they play the Bears. I don't know. Nobody knows. They're 4-1. They should be like 0-5. It's weird. But that's what it is. And then it's Colts at Baltimore. Colts again. So, I do believe it is... Those two teams, I've always been higher on Tennessee than Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. But the I can't use the rest point against Pittsburgh and ignore it for Tennessee. Right. And most they importantly, got the gauntlet now too. if by chance Houston gets it this week, we then can talk about anything outside of the team that's built to finish the graphic. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Also, when you mentioned that three-game stretch, one tiny little point, I'll say, Baltimore is at least still a conference opponent, right? When the other team has to play Green Bay, and if we're getting real tight for playoff positioning and division, maybe that tiebreaker comes into play. I wouldn't want to see Baltimore in between there as well. When we come back, I've got to update you, Kevin, on a college football story that you thought was ridiculous yesterday. It's even more ridiculous now, bro. Come on back and hear him. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dana and Kevin giving you the edge. And Kev, I've got to update you and the early line crew of a story that we briefly mentioned yesterday yesterday we mentioned and we played the we played the sound of florida gators head coach uh dan mullen who saw after going to kyle field and losing to texas a&m last weekend he thought that the 15 roughly fifteen thousand folks that were in the stands had a huge impact on that game they thought it was a factor so if you remember yesterday we told you that dan mullen was in essence petitioning the university president and the ad to kind of like allow them to quote unquote Pack the swamp with 90,000 people at full capacity. You reacted strongly to it. And what do you know, Kev? In fact, yesterday, Florida has said they have to pause all football activities because there is an increase in positive COVID tests among players. And then we found out, increase, Kev. There's reports that there are as many as 90. Teen players on the Gators who have tested positive and then check this out. And they're now still waiting to decide what to do with the status of the game after 19 players test positive. I don't want to talk about irony or karma, but you literally cannot make this up. The guy wants 90,000 fans and then 19 of his players test positive the next day, Kev. But here's why I don't think this is to do with karma or irony or anything. Because there might be people out there who say, listen, this is a disease that we can't see and is transmitted without our knowledge. Correct. Yeah. But for a leader of a program 
okay, to clearly treat it without the seriousness that it deserves to suggest that they should put 90,000 people in those stands at 100% capacity is then someone I don't trust to hold his players accountable and to the necessary standard to avoid this kind of outbreak. That is why this is a story. And that is why these two things are connected. Because there's a clear line where you show it is not being taken serious by Dan Mullen that can then leave you to wonder how much his line of thinking left the door open for this outbreak. Wow, it's crazy. So the actions and words of our leaders matter and can then inspire if you want to follow them? Wow! Hour number two is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.